Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle Two Step Forward podcast with myself, Chris Tuck and... Hello, I'm Beverly Ann. So today it's Have You Got Five Minutes? And the whole purpose behind this 30-minute podcast is we often get asked lots of questions and we just want to keep these the answers short and concise because, as you know, if you are a follower of ours, Bev and I can talk to the cows come home, <laughs> literally. So we're going to try and keep them very concise, 30 minutes. And what is today's question, Bev? It's, um, are you afraid of the conversation? Ah, where did, how did this come about? Well, this came about with um, somebody saying to me only, um, well, I've had a few people say, actually, they listen to our podcasts. And yep. and in all fairness, we never know who's listening to our no. podcast. Um, and one person isn't a survivor, but is really interested as a supporter to learn more information. And the other person is a survivor. Right. And, and both of them have said that our content they find really interesting, they're fascinating, but they don't really want to follow because they don't want other people to know that they listen to us. Because they're afraid of they're afraid of the reaction and they're not ready yet, which I really respected for them to say to me. But then I thought, like one of them, I said, Oh, that's a shame. I said, because we really We're need to build the following, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. then we can get the conversation out there. But she said, well, funny enough, I share it in a different way. I might not do it publicly, but I do it privately. Um, right. This is a supporter. And she had somebody else who um, was speaking about abuse and their experience. And she directed them towards our podcast. But I just okay. wondered, when you think about it, do yeah. you have you come across anyone else in that respect like that? All the time in the inbox, yep. Messenger. It doesn't matter what app you're on, there's always a box where people can contact you. So across social media platforms, I often get how can you speak out about this so easily and so eloquently and just without any worry about any um, consequences of speaking out. And I said, because I've gone through a process where I've been fearful yeah. of the consequences, one from the family first, two from other professionals, and we're going to do a different podcast on that, um, but also people judging you as less than. Yes. Yeah. Um, where now, being my authentic self, I don't have to worry about any of that because, to be quite frank, I don't give a damn. <laughs> All right? Um, this stuff happened. There's been a massive impact on all areas of my life, as yours and other victim survivors, and we've got nothing to apologise for. We've got nothing to be ashamed of so why can't we speak about it openly honestly and 
raise awareness of all of this? Why can't we do that? And, and I'm quite comfortable in my own skin to do this. Absolutely. And I'm very much the same as you. Whereas I'd be, you know, aware, concerned, you know, close family, etc. What they would think of me, you know, you do that working through. And in the end, it's like, well, hold on a minute. Mm -hmm. This is my story. Yep. We don't share everything. We only really share an overview. We're, yeah. very, we're very aware of our audience and even this conversation that we have with uh, within our podcast we're very aware of what we share anyway and we could share yeah. a whole lot more mm -hmm. which for some people might find that interesting because some of our conversations are, are, you know yeah are quite honest behind closed doors are very quite <laughs> in-depth aren't they yeah yeah um however I have had people make judgments I've had people make comments but now I'm the other way it's like, that's not about me. That's about them. This yeah. is who I am. And it comes back, who do you want in your space? Who do you want in your community? And before, like years and years ago, I'd work hard to be in other people's space to be accepted. Whereas yeah. now it's like, this is who I am. Yeah. And yeah. actually it wasn't my fault then and it's not my fault now. But yeah. As you said, it takes a lot of preparation for us to get to that space. It's a process, isn't it? It's an absolute process. And it so continues. again, we're not judging anyone, are we? We're just saying that we are here in this place right now because we've gone through that process of actually, yeah, we did have all of those worries, thoughts and feelings that everybody experiences. Oh, if I follow that then I'm going to be um, labelled this or labelled that and whatever but to be honest it's no one's business and if you get a sense of connection a sense of understanding awareness whatever it is you get from listening to whatever that's good Absolutely. and one of the things I always say to anybody who listens to the podcast because our first year was mostly yourself and I and it's yeah. about overcoming abuse and yes we do talk about sexual abuse a lot of the time because no one wants to talk about it yeah and isn't it interesting how some abuse such as physical abuse is accepted and understood more because there's the bruise you can see it yeah whereas emotional or sexual people find that really hard to to first of all take on board but then to actually find it harder to to find ways to feel supported and that's what I love about this podcast and I always say to people when I share it I always say take from it that works for you yeah 100% because even though we're we're sharing different things it doesn't mean to say it works for everybody no no but I I also just think that we are in this place where we can be authentic, bit cliche that word now, but sit with our truths, share our truths and be comfortable with that. And we don't mind the consequences, whatever they happen to be, because it, it's not our business. Whatever, if people, don't if people don't like what we're doing, as you said, that's their business. It's not our business. We're going to carry on doing what we're doing because we know it brings peace to some people it brings awareness to others and it brings the breaking of the silence for many 
others and it helps them on their journey to being happier and healthier and just accepting of the fact that stuff did happen to them and they can acknowledge it and they can then work through the impact of that because we've shared so much and, and the biggest on a personal level haven't we that absolutely and we have to because no one else is really doing this and and what's <clears throat> excuse me but what's really coming back from people as well that I meet and also from my own experiences that feeling of isolation because we isolate yeah. ourselves anyway but when we feel isolated when it's not with choice that's even yeah. harder and when we think we're the only ones that's hard so what's lovely and this is feedback we are getting from people yeah. is that's the biggest thing it's so nice to know I'm not alone so it's not yeah. nice what I went through but to know I'm not alone sort of relief oh there are and also some people actually like watching or listening to us because it they can do it in their own safe space yeah yeah which is yeah. important 100 percent. so are you fearful of this conversation that's the title and when i knew nothing about power and control trauma what abuse was even even the fact that i was having that done to me I was fearful of speaking up and the consequences as a child, as a young person, and even as an adult. Um, but it was more shame, I think. And we've spoken about this before. It's bit, it was more shame about my dad being a convicted paedophile. And you've got your own story about that. And it was also shame about... Growing up a dysfunctional family and not having what everybody else had, looking different to other people, smelling different to other people, and just thinking and knowing at a cellular level that I was different and that I was going to amount to a nobody because that is what I was fed as a child and young person. Now I know all of that to be tosh. <laughs> but at the time when you're in it you don't know no different so it's that learning journey that we've all had to go on to find out more about ourselves so yes telling someone anyone that you're having things done to you that you don't want and that makes you feel ashamed and makes you feel guilty and dirty and da 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 why wouldn't you fear the conversation from a perspective of being a victim and survivor? Absolutely. And also, if you are a caregiver, a non-abusive one, and your partner, whether male or female, are the abuser, and your relationship is then broken down, and you've got kids that have been impacted, there's going to be a lot of shame around that. So you're not going to want to talk about what's gone on in your family with anyone because of that shame that's there and maybe a bit of guilt as well because you, you didn't protect your children you couldn't or you didn't know whatever the story is I, I'm not I'm not saying what um but it's 
it is a conversation to be feared because of all of those different reasons. And that's where going back to, first of all, as a child, even as a child, there's that fear. Yes, you're aware of yourself, but it's this, and it's innate, isn't it? And that's the subliminal messaging that comes through from the other person. So for me, it was my dad and one of his friends, but even just for my dad, you know, you don't speak out against your dad. You know, you respect your elders, you respect your dad. But also, it's like, how how do I say, you know, what are the words? How do I say this? You don't have that. The, the first thing the I say, you don't have the words. You don't have the yeah. vocabulary. You, you know, it, it goes completely against. But there's also that sense of, if I share this, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. You know, and even to other people outside the family, what are the consequences? Mm. And that goes on into our adulthood. Yeah. But also, like, um, victim and survivors that are on the cusp of disclosing potentially. I don't know about you, but this is what happened with me. And I've shared it before. When you get that little bit of spark or that little bit of courage and you can see that there's an opportunity to say something, you let a little bit out, you see how it lands and then you either share more or you retreat. Now, as a child, young person, I didn't know about that strategy because it is a strategy. Mm. I just tested the water, so to speak. So, for example, something happened and I would cry or I would go quiet or I would go mum do you know when you know I'd made sure that he was out I made sure that it was a safe time uh mum do you know when blah 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 and then I would go and then depending on her response I would either carry on or retract a lot of victim and survivors, especially when they're children and young people, even domestic violence survivors as adults will probably do the same. If there is an opportunity and they feel safe, they may come out with it, but they will test the water first. And there is, there's a lot of police cases, actually, when the cases go through the criminal justice system. They go, oh, yeah, they wanted their case was going to go court, but then they retracted everything or they gave a disclosure and they retracted um, so they must be lying. I know. <clears throat> it, it's not that. They've tested the water. There's been some kind of consequence, whatever that happens to be. And that's why they've retracted, because yeah. they're fearing the consequences. Absolutely that. And this is where it's about education of that. It's about awareness, yeah. because the other thing, um, when we fear the conversation around abuse is you hear people saying well it can't be that bad there aren't many convicted and this is where you know we have a justice system but we also have um something you know we look for evidence and sometimes there is not evidence and this is where I'm gonna say something that really gets my goat you know people say oh but there's some people that lie we, you know, they do it for money or they tell their story for 15 minutes of fame. You are talking about one or two people in hundreds. And do you know what? Those people lying, they need help in their own way. But it really boils my blood. Yeah. 100%. Because whatever reason that they've done it and felt the need to do it, it then ruins it 
for the next so many, you know. And I, I hear that time and time again in conversations. I'm just going to bring into this conversation, I don't know whether you've seen all of the um, news articles and videos and press coverage around the Rochdale. And I'm going to use their words, their terms, grooming gangs. Okay? Yes. Um, we called it um, organised networks, but I don't want to take away from their experiences and the way that they call it. Yeah. So Rochdale Grooming Gangs, Maggie Oliver, Maggie Oliver Foundation. Um, also, Sarah Robotham and others were whistleblowers. So Maggie was a police officer in Greater Manchester Police, right? Um, they actively, those two professionals and probably many more, but they're the two that I know about, actively were whistleblowers sharing the lived experiences of many children and young people, mainly girls, in these particular areas Rotherham, Rochdale, but we know it happens in every town and city nationwide. Um, and they were literally the professionals with their fingers on the pulses, knowing what was going on, and they were trying to bring it to the attention of their superiors, their work colleagues, you know, the people that could really change something. So they weren't fearful of the conversation. They were knocking down doors literally to try and get a different response to what did happen. Um, and they were vilified. The trauma impact on these whistleblowers was immense. And you can see all the coverage uh, that was generated in the last few weeks. Um, and it makes me wonder why those people that can change things the leadership, the people in power are fearful of the conversation, are fearful of the truthful narrative, whatever that happens to be, and why they don't just take the action of these children and young people being sexually abused, sexually exploited, criminalised potentially, some of them, they're having their lives wrecked. Um, why are we not doing something? Why are we not just investigating properly and taking these perpetrators through the criminal justice system? It doesn't matter, Bev, let me just say this, sorry, love. It doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, what culture they come from, what religion they are, or what ethnic background they are. That should not matter. When it comes to protecting children and young people from this crime, we should be going after those perpetrators, those sexual offenders, no matter what. So being fearful of the conversation when it comes to that aspect of it should not be an issue, but it is. It is. And you've said it so well, so eloquently. And only last week, when this was all coming out anyway, I was reading it, watching it, you know. And there were times I had to go for a walk because yeah. I feel the anger coming up. And it's like, yeah, what? why is it that, you know, you've got someone who's whistleblowing there. You've got 
someone high up in the police force who's sharing this information. Where is the fear around this? Yeah, yeah. You know, Why we, is it not being acted upon? Yeah. You know, we do more when you think about different crimes. We do more about, um, you know, violence against adults than we do for children. You know, how yeah. many children? How many children? Like, you know, it, it, it that, blows my mind. Yeah. So yeah. that's why, you know, this podcast, you know, Are You Fearful of the Conversation, isn't just on an everyday every person um this is it goes right up to the top and we understand why people are fearful so Mm. and we understand so we bring it right back down to the everyday person we understand and we we know and that's you know where's this is why we do the podcast is Mm -hmm. for that everyday person yeah you know whoever's listening now but we do get frustrated angry and this is saying it politely (laughs) yeah yeah because there is a few swear words when we're in our personal space isn't there (laughs) yeah that um it is shocking that there is still a lot of fear around this conversation but in order to protect better protect children and young people from this crime of sexual assault rape sexual abuse sexual exploitation online sexual offending wherever this sexual offending is taking place however the sexual offending is taking place whoever is doing the sexual offending we have to have the conversation and it has to be truthful full stop i think i'm going to end this podcast here today unless you've got something else to say to wrap up Chris, you you said it all so eloquently and your passion is coming through and that passion is absolutely, you know, I'm standing beside you. You, You've said what I want to say. And and just going back, you know, we understand that, you know, about self-care and I I bring that Mm -hmm. back up because we have to look after ourselves. Yeah. We have to look after ourselves, you know, all the time. All the time. All the time. And so... We understand anybody listening. So if you've got any questions, please email breaking the cycle two step forward at gmail.com. So any question, feel free to message in. That link will also be underneath the video if you're watching the video or if you're listening to a podcast, it'll be in the written blurb anyway. So what's your last thought, Chris, before we go? I think that we've just got to have a cult, a new culture where we're not frightened to have truthful, transparent conversations, debates, whatever you want to call them, in order to change the way that we truly respond to child sexual abuse and exploitation. We have to. Well, my last thought on that is going to be, and I'm going to put it in context now, we see lots of programs on the TV about support for people when they're struggling to look after their animals. We see lots of programs about rescuing animals, um, and yet we don't see lots of children, lots of programs about supporting parents with their children, etc. And we're talking about the abuse level as well. So, and that's not to finger point, but it's like. To put it back into context, we need to think of our children as much as we think of our animals. Yeah. 
and both are worthy. Very worthy. So on All that right, gang, wrap respect. it up. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Bye from me. And from me. See you soon. <laughs>